Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Another edition of the Orlando Magic Daily Podcast, part of Locked On Magic, a member of the Locked On Podcast Network. My name is Philip Rossmanreich, and today I'm joined by, uh, live in Panera, uh, Orlando Magic Daily writer Darway Dar- Chen. Yes. Darway, how, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me, Philip. Not a problem. And remember, if you want to listen to the Orlando Magic Daily Podcast, you can find us on iTunes, search Locked On Magic. Uh, if, you down, if you listen to the original Orlando Magic Daily Podcast feed, you should get it automatically. You can also find us on Audio Broom and Stitcher. This is still looking for a uh, catchy name to, to be different than, than Locked On Magic. And uh, It's not bad, though. It's not bad. I mean, it's, yeah. it's simple. It gets, it gets the job yeah. done. And, uh, it, and everyone knows that knows the locked on name, right? It's yeah, yeah, it's getting it's getting around. There's there's yeah. a there's a lot of there's a lot of good locked on podcasts out there. I, I, I definitely suggest uh, you go onto iTunes or Audio Boom and search the entire catalog. Some really talented writers mm-hmm. and, and commenters on, on the NBA. Yep. If you want to know anything about any team, locked on the Locked On Podcast Network's where you need to be. But Darway, um, I have you here today because uh, you did an interesting little study on the uh, 538 Carmelo system. Mm-hmm. Uh, could, before we before we dive into what what it means with the Magic, uh, give me a little bit of idea what is what is the Carmelo system if you can explain it real real quickly. The Carmelo system uh, projection system by the 538 folks is basically um, a way to project the career arcs of NBA players. And they use, they basically, what they do is they'll take players, current players, and compare them to um, guys from the past, see who's most similar, and, um, you know, similar in terms of, you know, like offensive ability, defensive ability. And then they'll also take into account, like, draft position, age, and all that kind of stuff. And then eventually they can create a profile for you for any given player and predict how they will perform in their careers in terms of wins above replacement, which is uh, one of those catch-all statistics that tries to um, define a player's performance. Yeah, and it's it's you know it's it's definitely kind of a, a, a sexy stat, if if you will, yeah. in that you know it is trying to put into one number uh, a pretty uh, pretty complex system almost. Um, I think that you know it certainly has its limitations. There are definitely people that aren't going to buy into it. I think you, you noted in the article that there are guys that, you know, fit its eye a lot better than others and guys that don't fit its eye particularly well. And yeah, for sure. Um, I think Nate Silver himself wrote that they were, at least 538 was a little bit, perhaps a little bit too high on maybe Alfred, and also <laughs> they said Marcus Smart, they decided was, you know, the, the system projects him to be, you know, um, future all-star players and although it's still possible you know they, they mm-hmm. can certainly develop into that but it's for right now it 
it's more likely than not that they don't fulfill that. But, you know, that's not to say that they can't do it. So, so you know, we're, we're going to take a look a little bit uh, at the Magic's profiles here mm-hmm. uh, and and begin to understand a little bit about what Carmelo said about the Magic last year, and this, or about the Magic players at least last year entering this year, and what it's saying about the Magic this year. Um, what you know when we look at these numbers what what should be our focus what what should be the thing that we really kind of key in on uh, as we as we take a look at these at these numbers you know i when i looked at it i i was focused well at least what most is most intriguing i think to magic fans probably is what guys are, have the potential to develop into all-star level players right because as a young team uh, or at least relatively young gotten a little bit less young in re, um over the offseason, but um, still, in general, young team, you want to see guys who can who can um, uh, reach the next level. And so, our best hope for that for right now looks to be either Aaron Gordon or Alfred Payton um, in terms of what 538 projects. And so, last year, you know, um, uh, Aaron was a very um, he surpassed expectations. Um, by a pretty large margin, um, five thirty eight projected him to be just a almost like a replacement level, not exactly maybe like a little above replacement level player. But he developed into um, a guy who was um, now they are projecting him as a as a future all star. And uh, for Alfred, you know, he Alfred was a little bit of the reverse. He actually um, did not meet expectations and fell short of them by quite a bit. But because of his inherent um, attributes they still feel like he's going to be a future all-star so those two guys for right now seem to be the most likely candidates to to reach that next level the magic want to get to yeah and it, and it and it seems like when when you take a look at at this this whole system at this whole projection system it, it's really about projecting the career arcs and saying okay this is when i mean the way the way one of the ways that i like to look at it last year was saying okay who is on his way up or who who may have reached his peak as a player um, you know I think we'll, we'll talk about this guy specifically but Serge Ibaka is a player who's been in the league for a while has struggled the last few years and Carmelo while we think you know giving him a larger role is going to increase his productivity uh, mm-hmm. Carmelo may not necessarily be able to reflect that but they see his 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 returns diminishing as he as he gets older yeah. uh, you know I've got uh, on my computer, at least in front of me, I've got Aaron Gordon's uh, Carmelo page loaded up, and and you know, feel free to to go load this up or, or look, take a look at it. It's it's, it's really interesting, and I, I don't think you should necessarily take it as oh, this is what this guy is going to be. Obviously, guys play above and below expectations, but it's certainly uh, you know an interesting indicator of the direction he might be heading or, or who or who he even plays similar to. So you've got. On the left side of your screen, if you go to projects.538.com slash Carmelo, spelled like Carmelo Anthony, it's not about Carmelo Anthony, yeah. but it's spelled like Carmelo mm-hmm. Anthony, um, it has you know a list of Aaron Gordon's vitals, his height, his weight, his, where he was drafted, his true shooting percentage, and a couple of other stats, his you know passing and ball handling. Just It, it, it takes a lot of these, these statistics and inputs it into its calculator to find players who are similar. So you, you know... What I find really interesting is, you know, you look at Aaron Gordon's career track, so to speak, and he's certainly a player that's on his way up. He went from minus 0.4 wins above replacement value, and that's, again, a catch-all stat that takes a look at wins above kind of the average player uh, in the NBA. 
Um, he went from minus 0.4 wins above replacement player to 3.9. That's a pretty significant jump, and his career arc jumped because of that as well. Um, yeah, so you well, have, for, for context, you know, like a 3.9 is what um, like Taj Gibson was a 3.9 yeah. last year, and Taj is generally considered to be you know a guy who who can really contribute to a winning team. Yeah, he's you know, not he's the, not the star of the team. He's not the star yeah. of the team, but he's he's a solid player, and so. Yeah. Um, you know they have they have his career arc currently, and and it's notable that they they take the the mean of that career arc each year, and that's kind of the number that you see on the on the chart. There's there's a gray that shows the 90th and 10th percentile. They have Gordon c- contributing next year anywhere from it looks like seven or eight uh, wins mm-hmm. above replacement to you know just like, above one. Yeah. So it, it could be it could be anywhere. They have him at an average of 4.2. So he's certainly. A capable player. He's, there's, there's certainly an expectation that he will continue to improve and continue to improve over the next few years, and that's a good sign for a Magic team that's hungry for him to to do a little bit more and to and to become their star. Yeah, it, I mean, from the chart, it looks like you know all the way up until 2020, they're projecting that he'll keep steadily climbing, and of course, you know that will change based on you know what he does this year and next yeah, year. But there's obviously yeah. there's obviously not a lot of data with Aaron Gordon him him only yeah. being in the league for two years and. You know, maybe we, we talk about that, but uh, what's also interesting to me is below uh, below the, the the chart with his career projection, they have performance of the ten most comparable players, and you can see mm-hmm. who his career and his career arc tends to match. And you see some names that are interesting and familiar, and some names that that aren't um, necessarily the fit that you would think. Um, his ten most com- his most comparable player is 2013 Derek Favors. Um, it has like a, a 54% correlation or, or, or something like that. But then you see a guy like uh, number three is 2014 Tobias Harris. So Tobias Harris from two years ago, right before he was about to mm-hmm. kind of take off with the, with the Magic, that's where Aaron Gordon is now. And, you know, mm-hmm. even if he ends up being the number four guy, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist from 2015, not a guy that doesn't necessarily maybe contribute a lot of counting stats. He's not an all-star, but a lot of people consider Michael Kidd-Gilchrist to be one of the best defenders in the league. If Aaron Gordon is that... Mm-hmm. He's a pretty successful player too. Yeah, he does. Yeah, like, I mean, honestly, you know, if if Aaron could turn out to be, you know, a, like a good version of Tobias or a good version of Kid Gilchrist, that's that should be considered a win, I think. Yeah, you know, and and you know, there's some other interesting names on the list. Yeah. Number five is 2007 yeah. Luol Deng, and that Deng would be a took, win. A, took a weird yeah. dip, um, especially right after he left the Bulls. But um, that was what mm. two years before. Before Dang became an All Star, mm-hmm. uh, or five year, five or six years before he became an All Star, maybe um, you've got mm-hmm. uh, two twenty sixteen Giannis Antetokounmpo. A lot, you know, a lot of people think Giannis yeah. is, is taking a big step up. I mean, mm-hmm. they're they're definitely uh, it's it's in, it's just kind of mm-hmm. interesting numbers. So um, now that we've introduced everyone a little bit to uh, what the Carmelo system is, um, you know, you, you talked a little bit about Alfred Payton. Why does what does this system say about Alfred Payton, despite the, the season that he had last year, where he really struggled? Yeah, you know, Alfred's an interesting case, and you know, Magic fans have sort of there's kind of two different camps, right, of people who, who really <laughs> yeah. like him, and 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 then some who not necessarily. And the people that really him. like him are, are in the front office right now. Yeah, it seems like. <laughs> yeah, we know that. Um, you know, not that they Rob should Hennigan, not that they should give up on him yet. But. Yeah, but we know. Yeah, we know Rob Hennigan is. Um, is still high on Alfred Payton, and you know, one of the things that I think stands out is so if um, one of the attributes that they put on um, five thirty eight is steal percentage, and and Alfred is very high in um, in that category, 
and steal percentage is supposedly um, indicative of how how much a player is able to make something happen out of nothing, right? Because mm-hmm. steals, because so. Um, and he's I, way up there in steal percentage among yeah among comparables. I, I forgot who who wrote. I think it might have been Benjamin Morris on Five Thirty Eight. Who he wrote that, um, you know. There are some things that, some stats that people can accumulate that would just happen regardless of whether a guy is good or not, right? Mm-hmm. So in, in a game, there's always going to be rebounds to go around. There's always going to be points to be scored, right? Um, but steals... There's, there's a finite amount of those yeah. in every game. Yeah, and those are just going to happen regardless yeah. of how good or bad your team is, right? But steals are one of those things that, you know, you, it doesn't really happen unless you make it happen. Sure. Uh, um, aside from the like, just really bad passes or something that you can easily pick off. But, but I mean, those. I mean, those can easily go yeah. out of bounds. Like you know, you yeah. still have to put the pressure on. And, and honestly, even, I mean, and this may work against mm-hmm. your point in some yeah. ways. Like a steal can be credited to the wrong player That's on some occasions. Yeah. Um, I mean, again, with with any statistical system, we're not saying you know we're, we're having a whole conversation mm-hmm. about where the magic are going based on on this system, uh, but. That doesn't necessarily mean it's prophetic in any way. It doesn't necessarily sure. mean it, it, it's true. I mean, yeah. I think one of the one of the things that you said was really interesting is that they believe Alfred Payton is a future All Star. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look at the way he played last year. You know his offensive limitations. You ask how, and I think that's I think the steal percentage thing is one of the reasons why he performed so yeah. well here. Yeah, and you know if you look at Alfred's uh, comparable players, there's also some pretty pretty cool names to be excited about if you depending on how much you believe in the projection system of course but you know like uh rondo is the very uh, the first guy that comes to my mind most people most people call him a mini rondo yeah rondo but i mean like 2007 raymond felton is i mean i think we're a little tainted with um the image of raymond felton now but i mean he actually used to be pretty pretty good player yeah he used to be pretty decent um you know mike bibby darren williams are also on the comps list Baron Davis, Mike Conley, like that's and and I mean they got like, you know Norm Nixon whose yeah. jersey's been retired by the Los Angeles yeah. Lakers as the number one guy. Yeah. I, I would note with the Alfred Payton comparables is they're not very strong. You know you get Norm Nixon's got a 52 similarity which is pretty mm-hmm. pretty solid. Uh, mm-hmm. Rajon Rondo 2009 Rajon Rondo so this would be the yeah. year that the Magic beat them in the playoffs mm-hmm. um, has a 50, but then after that it drops to 40, yeah. 39. So there's not there's yeah. not there's never really been a player like Alfred Payton in this league before at least through two mm-hmm. years and some of that might be how much he fell off last year. I mean, do you I mean, we we all kind yeah. of had theories on why Alfred Payton didn't play at the same level that he did last year, but it was also abundantly clear that when he played well, the Magic were a better team. Yeah, I you know, I I think I've always had this suspicion that he might have been hurt for some of mm-hmm. last year, and I'm not the only one to think that. I think there's. Yeah, I think I think a lot think of us, a lot of us think that he yeah. was he was more hurt than he let on, and he's just he's just not a guy that that's going to sit out games. Yeah, I mean, to his and, credit and, we, and to his detriment. Yeah, we know that athletes are kind of those kinds of guys who will just they're never going to admit it. You know, if they're out there, they're out there, and they're mm-hmm. not going to use that as an excuse. And I think Alfred is. One of those guys. He, oh, I he's mean, definitely one of those guys. He, yeah. he's not going to. He's not not going to use injuries as an excuse ever. And yeah, again, I mean, to his to his benefit and his detriment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because yeah, he's just a, he's a bulldog, you know, and yeah. he's he's going to keep coming at you, even if he's hurt. He's just going to keep coming. So. Um, yeah. And and of course we all know about uh, about you know the rumors that that happened with Scott Skiles and how. Mm-hmm. Skiles just was not a believer in Peyton, and and you know we've 
we've had some discussions, and I don't know if we've had that openly on the site, but certainly there's been some discussions that Skiles kind of threw Peyton under the bus a little bit, and, and Peyton, you know, didn't he didn't perform at the level that, that we thought he could as rookie year. You look at his you know numbers that aren't included in in the Carmelo system, but his defensive box plus minus went from like a positive 1.2, like a really good number, to negative 0.8 mm-hmm. very very quickly. And you know I think that yeah. leads to some of the unpredictability of what Alfred Payton's going to be, and you can see that kind of reflected here. We, I mean, Payton's in his second year, or is entering his third year now, so who really knows what he is yet? He's got to prove what he's going to be in the NBA now as he gets ready to to demand to ask for an extension, essentially. Yeah, uh, but and- you know, he's you know, it's hard to it's hard it's hard even for a statistical model to pin down who he is as a player. Yeah, especially because he's still early in his career, right? Like, the more you, the more data points you have on sure. a guy, the the better your projections can be. And right now, you know, he can still be, you know, he, you know, it, it would not totally surprise me if he was an all-star once, you know, in his career. Like, that wouldn't, like, an all-star maybe even once or twice. Like, that wouldn't surprise me. It also wouldn't surprise me if he, if he flamed out of the year in, flamed out of the NBA in, you know, let's say three or four years. That would not surprise me either. No, <laughs> yeah. I mean it's it's he's he's got he's got to prove this year that he's a starting point guard. I, I think there are very few players on the Magic that have more pressure on them than Alfred Payton. To be to be perfectly yeah, frank. Yeah, and you know, and last year, you know, when when Rob Hennigan brought in uh, Brandon Jennings, mm-hmm. that kind of that I think that said a little bit of something about what they thought, what at least what maybe what Skiles thought about um, Payton, and also. Um, you know, I, I think Jennings had the trust of, of Skiles a little bit more for maybe from their time in Milwaukee. Sure. And then so that might have hurt Alfred's confidence a little bit. Sure. Um, but he doesn't have that anymore. I mean, I think th- this year, you know, the backup point guards are going to be uh, DJ, DJ Augustine and, uh, and CJ Watson. And honestly, Alfred at his... If he's playing well, there shouldn't be any competition with those. Yeah, and those and certainly there's a little bit more depth, so that if Alfred Payton does have a nagging injury, um, they can feel more comfortable telling him to sit 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 out sit out and rest with yeah, and get right you know with C.J. Watson out already and Shabazz Napier really struggling last year. I, I don't yeah. think that was an option, and especially as they were trying to keep pace in, in the East um, before their fall in January. Um, they probably yeah. felt it necessary to, to keep putting him out there, even if he wasn't 100. percent You know, we we don't know that for certain, one way or the other. But yeah. Um, you know, moving on from Alfred, when you look, when you when you first looked at at the numbers for the po- for the post, um, what caught you by surprise the most about what it said about the Magic's current crop of players? Not necessarily. Uh, what yeah. I mean, just generally, what yeah. what caught what caught you by surprise? Well, one thing is that you know a lot of people have complained maybe rightly so about uh, Nick Vucevic's defense mm-hmm. and but according to according to 538 you know his defensive box plus mi- or no their defensive um, I'm defensive not sure plus box. minus the defensive plus minus was plus 1.1 and his offensive plus minus was plus 0.7 so he was actually better on defense than on offense most people would not have suspected that mm-hmm. um now, it is worth saying that this could be an aberration, right? Last year he was minus point one on defense, and um, but you know may, that that just goes to show that 
you know, sometimes it might be more than meets the eye with defense. You know, it, it, just because someone isn't necessarily a, you know, a high-flying shot blocker or, you know, like Hassan Whiteside or, or like Dwight in his prime, right? But maybe, you know, a lot of people used to say that Rashard Lewis was a really good defender when he was in Orlando, yeah. and he wasn't a, a shot-blocking type either. He just always was in the right place, rotated correctly, helped on the right guy, and, yeah. you know. So. And, and, you know, I definitely, and, and I think, you know, we... It's easy. It's easy to, to pile on Vucevic for his bad defense, and it's easy to to say he's not a good defender. And I do I do agree. I think that's a little bit of a misnomer. But you know, I think I think when he's in position, he's a good defender. I think he's where, at least big. He's big. He's a he's yeah. a big guy. He, yeah. he does he he is able to rebound really really well, and I think that mm-hmm. does contribute a lot to his strong defensive mm-hmm. numbers in in this system at least. Yeah. Uh, but you know, you look at his field goal percentage a lot at the rim. You wonder. How much of that is Nikola Vucevic not being a great shot blocker, not being able, not being a great leaper and rim protector, and how much of that is poor frontline defense and Vucevic not able, being able to slide and rotate? How much of that is Vucevic um, getting credited with? And then I think this is the problem with a lot of defensive metrics and something that that like that you know sport view data is trying to correct but is still not perfect on. Yeah. Um, how much of it was Vucevic was just the closest guy to someone that finished and it wasn't actually his fault that he that the basket was given up or uh, him I know he's, he's kind of notorious in pick and rolls for laying back yeah. instead of hedging and pushing how much of how much of that is Vucevic not trusting the guys behind him to cover for him I mean defense is a, yeah. defense is kind of a tightly woven knot and yeah, you know, any Vucevic, little thing yeah Vucevic gets yeah. a lot of criticism for it and, and certainly I don't think I'm not saying not all of it is warranted, uh, but there's usually a story deeper than that. And I think I think he generally did improve on the defensive end last year. It's just that, again, I think the question heading into this year is whether that's enough. Yeah, I mean, and, and this year, you know, we're, well, so this kind of is a nice segue into um, Bismack, right? Mm-hmm. Because Bismack sure. was brought in, and his calling card is going to be, you know, protecting the paint and um, probably rolling to the rim, right? That's going to be what he does for the Magic. You know, with with Vooch, you know, the, the, this this improvement that, or apparent improvement, like we shouldn't say it's necessarily, because um, it, it could be a fluke, we're not really sure yet, but sure. he... he ap- I, I mean, I think, I think you can call it an improvement. Generally, yeah. generally Vucevic, his defense yeah. has gotten better. Um, it's, just in very, it's, it. it's just in very subtle ways, and yeah. it's, you know, his ceiling defensively may not be as high as, say, a Serge Ibaka's is, or... Uh, or even if Ismac Biombos is, and I think that's the question that the Magic are going to answer this year. Yeah, but I mean, like his his Im- improvement, you know, even if it's from, you know, very bad to just like let's say a little bit below average, you know, in the NBA, that improvement is actually something you can't scoff at. You know, yeah. Th- that that improvement is is big. Like you can you can. You, you can get away with that. Um, yeah. Now, for example, like I think a lot of people compare him to Ennis Cantor, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, Cantor last year, you know, he, well, he was very maligned for his defense, and rightfully so. Um, but last year, he was close to passable, I think, and and that very much contributed, I think, to how well Oklahoma City um, could play. And so this, and so if we um, transition back to Bismack. This might be a well, how he well he performs on defense. I think will dictate how much usage we get out of um, Bismack Biombo, right? Because yeah. if it ends up that Vooch becomes passable, then maybe Biombo isn't going to be as um, 
not going to be as necessary, right? Because he's brought in sure. to to um, to protect the rim. Sure. Where so. I mean, where I mean, I, I'm looking at Nikola Vucevic's numbers right now. Um, according to NBA.com, he gave up 54.0% field goal attempts at the rim, which mm-hmm. isn't a good number, isn't a strong number yeah. at all. Dwayne Dedman, for instance, gave up 46.0%. Mm-hmm. Much much better defender at the rim, and so that's. Mm-hmm. Again, going to be the real question for Vucevic is, you know, can he position himself to be a better defender at the rim? Where I think, you know, the game's played kind of above the rim now, and yeah. um, I think that's that's the big question for for him as a team. And, and certainly, the Magic went out and got better rim protectors, and so the question is, can they're he, can apparently he, concerned with it? Yeah, 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 yeah. They, 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 it's not again, Vucevic made improvements. So it's like the question is, is it enough? And you know, I mean, I, before we go any any further, since you brought it up, where where do you stand on the Vucevic Biombo question? I, if it is even yeah, a question, yeah. <laughs> yeah, which maybe it's a false yeah. question. Maybe we're making making stuff up like we do because we're the media. <laughs> well, I mean, and this is just my opinion. I I do think Vuce starting would be good, mm-hmm. but you know, it can sort of be a feel it out kind of thing I know players don't necessarily like that because they want the rhythm of knowing when they're going to be subbed out and when they're going back in Um, but you know different mattress might call for different um, you know different lineups right if you go against let's say you're going against the Hornets, right? And okay. and they bust out Al Jefferson, or he's not—he's not there anymore, no, he's right? Not, he's not there. He's with the Pacers. Is he the Pacers now? Okay. Well, if this was last year, or well, let's say th- this year, you're against the Pacers, and you're and you're going. Let's say let's say, let's say let's say right. the Magic are playing uh, the Grizzlies, and they have Zach Randolph and Marcus Gasol. Yeah, yeah, right. Then you know, if you have Zach Randolph going crazy, you know, on Vooch, which is possible, you know, you might want to ride Biombo a little more, right? Yeah. But then. You know, another role that I kind of thought in my head was if you don't have Vucevic starting, you might have you might deploy him as a as the focus of the second unit, mm-hmm. right? So, so um, in the first unit, you kind of maybe you run things through through Evan, through through Alfred, right? And then in the second unit, you um, you run things through Vuce, and Vuce would be able to torch, I think, many uh, opposing second units down on the block. I right? think I think he would too, and and I think. Yeah. Uh, those those two or three games last year when he came off the bench because Dwayne Dedman was playing so well mm-hmm. in the starting lineup, I think that really proved what he can do. He still finished games for the Magic, if I'm not mistaken, uh, but he put up some really really good numbers. We, uh, I think I think one of our I think Zach Palmer has been meaning to write that story for a while, so mm-hmm. I'm gonna put him on blast here and uh, <laughs> get him to get him to finally finally knock that thing out and explain mm-hmm. why uh, Nikola Vucevic should come off the bench. Um, you know, I think I agree. I think Vucevic probably starts the year. Um, they need the offense. Uh, I, I I tend to agree with that sentiment that was expressed in the Zach Lowe article on ESPN.com earlier this week. Yeah. Um. They they, they need some they need some offense, and Vucevic is still the most consistent offensive option they have. Uh. To me, though, the concern is on that defensive end. Can his offensive production overcome any defensive shortcomings he might give you? And you know, to me, the ticket for the Magic to make the playoffs is on the defensive end. They've got to be a top ten defense to make the playoffs this year, and if, if you can't do that with Vucevic, then he's got to come off the bench. Yeah, well, so the one of the interesting things that I uh, it was a quote from from Coach Vogel. He was saying something about how you know having two rim protectors mm-hmm. on the floor is something that he would prefer, right? And so if that's the case, then you know he might be leaning more towards. Biombo and Ibaka both on the floor at the same time, which would be that that would yeah. be tremendous defensively for sure. Yes, um, 
but it remains to be seen offensively whether you know if if for example if Serge can can shoot like he did you know I think it was like two or three years ago mm-hmm. you know if he can get to 36 37 percent from three then that could work right then you open up lanes for Biombo to roll down the lane sure. and um you know. And 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 Zach Lowe had a had a funky idea that, that you know I I I I'm, I'll take your temperature yeah. on before we before we move on here. Mm-hmm. Uh, Lowe was saying that that one thing the Magic might try to do, and they they tried it a little bit last year, um, is have Vucevic and Ibaka on the floor with Gordon. I think everyone kind of assumes the starting lineup is going to be Peyton, Fournier, mm-hmm. Gordon, Ibaka, Vucevic at this point. Yeah, when you when you're when yeah. you're using that lineup. You know, maybe Gordon is playing the center ostensibly in the lineup, and he's the one around the paint, and Vucevic and Ibaka are out spreading the floor mm-hmm. on I offense. Mean, at on least. offense, yeah, at yeah. least, yeah. Yeah. Um, and that's an, that's a really interesting idea, and I, I think it speaks to the flexibility and versatility on on the on the roster. I think that's a huge plus in the Magic's favor yeah. uh, this this year is that they they'll be able to play just about any way. They can, they, yeah. they, they can adapt, and they can adapt. Yeah, and and Vogel has a lot of options, and and uh, you know you trust a coach like Frank Vogel to, to find the right option and pull the right lever, um, you know as long as as things are are kind of at that consistent level on the defensive end. Yeah, there's definitely potential for a lot of you know what we call like switchy lineups. Yes. Right. And, yes. You know, I was I, I was just kind of brainstorming the other day. You know, if if I mean, this is somewhat of a big if, but if if Mario could play spot minutes at the point, which I think is possible. I think, I think it's possible. I think he can. Um, if Mario could play spot minutes at the point, you could deploy Mario at point, Evan, and then, let's say, Jeff Green, and then Aaron Serge Ibaka and Aaron Gordon. Gordon. Serge, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that five-man lineup could basically, I think, switch most... Uh, most pick and roll yeah. plays, and as long as as long as there's not like too speedy yeah. of a point guard out there, like against yeah. the second unit, you can deploy that. You can deploy that kind of mini death lineup and yeah. and shut some teams down a little bit. Um, yeah. even even you know you don't even have to use like an use Evan there if you're trying to get him up. We either use like a Jody Meeks or even a CJ Watson who can play point mm-hmm. guard and is also a two and can play off the ball. So you have Mario on the ball a little bit more. Yeah. Um, you know, I, at some point this summer when we're all bored in the middle of in the middle of August after the Olympics end. We may have to do, you know, five, you know, five lineups. We want to, we really want to see, and they're just be fun lineups, not necessarily, uh, not necessarily like the starting lineup yeah. or, or whatever. Just like fun lineups. Yeah, just fun I lineups. Think, yeah. I think, I think you can find a lot of them with this Magic team. Like you can go, like I've joked, I've joked around with people. Why don't the Magic just go super big with Biom, with Biombo, Ibaka, Vucevic all in at the same time? Why, why, <laughs> why, why, why not? Man, um, that what. He put that four, would be a very crowded lane. That be, for well, but, for on both sides though. But but, sides. but yeah, yeah. Vucevic, Vucevic and Ibaka can step out and shoot. I mean, Vucevic mm-hmm. not as far as Ibaka, yeah. but you know, yeah. you, you need yeah. some you need some dribble yeah. penetration for sure. But but why not? Like you know, yeah, really make really make a defense think, and then you know they're I think they're all capable of, of defending their man on the other end. Yeah, um, that'll that'll be the the fantasy the fantasy lineup booking uh, podcast yeah. will be coming up <laughs> later on in the summer. Um, mm-hmm. Getting back to the Carmelo projections, we were talking, you know, we've talked a lot about the defensive end. And, of course, the, the defensive reformation really began with Serge Ibaka. And I think it's honestly still a debate in some circles, or at least some people I talk to, at least, about whether the Magic made the right deal trading Serge Ibaka for Victor Oladipo. Yeah. Uh, trading Victor Oladipo for Serge Ibaka. Um, 
what are your thoughts on this deal? And, and then maybe we'll jump into a little bit of what um, Carmelo has to say about it. The the deal is it, it's definitely at least emotionally it was tough to swallow, mm-hmm. you know, because because you know oh, you know Victor was he was the guy. Yeah, he, he was he was and he's a huge guy in the community yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, he's been a yeah really good guy in the community. Um, at times, you know, the Magic's best player, um, and he and I think his heights were, uh, were tremendous. You know, I remember mm-hmm. that, that one game against the Cavs where he scored. 40-something. 46, right? I think. Yeah, 46. Yeah. yeah. You know, having no fear, just taking it to right to the Cavs, you know. Like, I don't know if anyone else on the Magic could do that. Like, I can't I can't really envision no. there's, there's like, no, Evan there's, going for 46. There's like, no other guy that's going to that's gonna score 50 like yeah. that. And, and have, yeah. like, I mean, that's that's true superstar level stuff. Yeah. To, to be, or, to, you know, to at least have that ability to do that, you know. And he's, yeah. he's had big games like that before. Yeah. Now, granted... Um, consistency is usually an issue for for young players, and yeah. you know the the thing is, what Ibaka brings is a less I think a less replaceable skill set than um, than what Oladipo brought, right? Because he because Oladipo yeah. was you know a, a a shooting guard who you know who get to the rim, play decent defense. You know you, you can find you can probably name you know five or six guys who can do that at, at that level. Mm-hmm. Um, in NBA, or probably even more, you know, with, with Ibaka, you know, a guy who can who can protect the rim and and shoot threes. If we assume that he can get back to let's he's, say like thirty, he's he's, the, he's the power forward unicorn. Yeah, it's like how many guys? I'm trying to think. So maybe Porzingis might yeah, be able to Porzingis. develop into that, right? Who can shoot threes and defend the rim? There's not. There's really not that many guys. Um, Derek Favors would be another one, probably. Possibly, yeah. I mean, we. I mean, literally, we. I mean, I think ever since the Magic acquired Nikola Vucevic, and we realized we had something pretty good in him, um, I think most of us said, you know, what the Magic really need is a power forward that can rim protect and block shots like Serge Ibaka. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, now the Magic of Serge Ibaka. And so, you know, why, you know, it cost, yeah. it cost a lot, obviously. Um, it, um, you know, it, it was definitely a, a big price to pay, but to get something good, you got to give up something good. Yeah, the, yeah. And you know, I guess so we can transition a little bit to what yeah, Carmelo says. Yeah, because it him. is it is interesting because Carmelo is not high on Serge Ibaka, and it's right. very high on Victor Oladipo. Mm-hmm. Um, Oladipo was classified as a future All Star, also. Yeah. So when you when you look at when you look at uh, Serge Ibaka's numbers, and, and I have them up here as well, um, he does not grade out well. Um, you know, he's not a guy that gets to the line very well doesn't pass the ball at all you know not a yeah. big steals guy which is which is a factor in, de- in mm-hmm. defense he's still a, pl- a plus defender mm-hmm. uh, but when it comes to wins above replacement when it comes to this metric in, in particular Ibaka he's does not play well yeah. um, he's been declining for the last two years in 2014 they they gave him uh, 5.8 wins above replacement pl- replacement which is pretty good which is very good yeah down to 3.3 last year which is okay not bad mm-hmm. and then it was down to 2.6 last season in 2016 yeah. and it seems to be going down since and all his defensive metrics appear to be doing that as well and Ibaka would tell you a big reason for that is you know I've been pulled away from the basket um, I'm not getting the same counting stats because you know people know who I am so I'm not blocking as many shots but I'm still changing as many shots um, certainly injuries have played a role he said he's had some knee issues in the past um, 
Steven Adams emergence, he's been kind of cannibalizing some of his defensive stats. You know, yep. if you look at rebounds, yeah, Steven sure. Adams certainly cannibalizing that a little bit. And offensively, of course, Ibaka isn't getting the ball very much because he's playing with Russell Westbrook yeah. and Kevin Durant, probably the two most heavy yeah. usage players in the league. Yeah. Um, there are a lot of reasons yeah. for Ibaka's decline. This, the Carme- He's a little bit older as well. Carmelo has him continuing on that decline right. this year. What do we read into that? You know, can he can he bounce back in a meaningful way and defy these numbers? Well, I personally am perhaps a little bit higher on him than, than Carmelo is, simply because I think that you know Carmelo. It's hard for them to to factor in things like being unhappy, maybe with your sure. role in, in in the offense, and sure. so. I think in Orlando, I mean, you, you could argue that he's right now the best player on the Magic. You you could perhaps argue that, depending on whether you how high you are on on, on Aaron Gordon and maybe Alfred. Yeah. But you know, if he's the if you consider him the best player on the Magic, he's going to get touches. And if he gets touches, that's going to be uh, it's going to be motivating for him, and he's going to. Uh, I think he will play better because of that. You know, there's I remember watching I think it was inside the NBA one time and. Um, Kenny was talking about how, you know, with a point guard, you know, what you need to do. You know, he was talking about something that Mike Conley told him. Mm-hmm. Mike Conley was saying that, you know, every once in a while, you have, you got to feed the big guys, right? Yeah. You, you got to feed them. Oh, yeah. You have to have that clock in your head, right? It's like, okay, like Zach hasn't touched it in, let's say, four trips down. We mm-hmm. got to get him a Keep touch. Keep him involved. Yeah, or Mark, we got to get him involved, right? And I think Serge was, it, you know, for all the things that Russell Westbrook does very well, one thing he doesn't particularly do very well is make sure everyone is involved right yeah. he, he is actually a pretty decent passer he's, he's, he's you know he's a but, fantastic passer but it's usually yeah. off his drives like right you, you know there may be a play where he gives up the ball and someone else kind of maybe runs the runs the point that play but i mean i would i would be very interested to look at and i can probably look it up very, very quickly how much of russell westbrook's assists come off of drives yeah but you know so ivanka you know it he in, in in the article I linked to a, a story where you know he was quoted as saying, you know that he just he wants to be more involved. Like he just said it very very bluntly. Like I just want to be more involved. Um, and he said that it's very hard to to hustle consistently, knowing that you know you you might not get the ball right. There, you know there mm-hmm. is that saying where you reward big guys for doing something like if a big guy blocks a shot on one end, sure. and then that gets a fast break going the other way, and then you might throw it to a trail that you know the big guy who just blocked it trailing sure. you know, let him get a sure. score I mean you know? we saw it with White Howard for forever like yeah. he, I mean he'd get frustrated when he didn't get the ball and everyone kind of knew he got it you know doesn't matter yeah. how inefficient he is on offense and I yeah. think Dwight Howard's post offense does not get the credit it deserves but yeah. he would yeah. be you know his defense definitely lacks when and when he doesn't touch the ball as often yeah and I mean, so you just, you just gotta yeah. just gotta keep him involved just you know reward him a little bit I mean scoring scoring doesn't matter to you know matters to a lot of people you know you've got to reward them and you know the 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 stat that's always so interesting to me is Serge Ibaka has never had a 20% usage rate in his career Mm -hmm. at any in any season in his career he's never I mean think about it there are five players on the court at any one time if everyone's using the ball equally they're getting a 20% usage rate yeah so he's not even playing you know, getting the yeah. ball, using possessions, and usage rate, of course, yeah. measures, you know, pretty much yeah. how many, per, how, yeah. what percentage of, of plays while you're on the floor yeah. did you, did the possession yeah. end with you yeah. having the ball? So, yeah. field goal attempt, turnover, foul, you know, 
all that stuff. Ibaka's yeah. um, not ending possessions, you know, at an equal level of anyone else. And yeah, Durant and Westbrook probably use yeah. a heavy amount of possessions. They're probably up around thirty yeah. percent, though. You know, yeah. a, a key player is still going to use around twenty. It's going to use at least twenty percent of his possessions. Yeah, I mean, just like anyone at their job, who you know, you 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 do a good job and you want to be rewarded for it, sure. right? And and I think Ibaka just felt like he wasn't adequately rewarded for for things that that he brought on the defensive end. You know, he felt like you know maybe I should get some offensive touches to to compensate. You know, and so. You know, I, I think there's reason to think that in Orlando he will be a little more motivated because sure. he will just he will have to get more touches just because there's simply not as much talent not, in Orlando as in not, Oklahoma. Not so. only that, it's a contract year. Oh, and that, yeah, that's true. <laughs> so <laughs> so the, the, the contract year bump is a very yeah. real thing. Oh yeah, there needs to be. Is there are there studies on that? There there, there has been a few studies on this. I, would, I'd um, be happy, I, I don't. I I, at least at least I've seen a study on it in baseball. Okay. At the very least, I think it yeah. has been studied, and yeah, there is a there is a correlation yeah. at least between production and, and contract year, or at least there's at least an anecdotal correlation. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but yeah, I, you know, it's it's interesting looking at Ibaka's career arc and what he's what he's going to do. Um, I pulled up, you know, his Carmelo rating from this year shows a very steady decline, but. You pull up his Carmelo rating before the 2016 season; it also shows a pretty steady climb. I mean, it, it had him at, at 5.7 wins above replacement value, and I think they changed the formula up a little bit because their numbers are slightly different. Yeah. Um, if you're trying to make a yeah. direct comparison, but um, they had him taking a little bit of a step up this year, mm-hmm. and then slowly beginning his decline. So you know, what what 538's numbers which would, would suggest, considering he also declined again this year, is that his decline has already started. Um, and maybe it's a usage decline, but maybe it's not. Maybe maybe he has reached his peak and he's starting to come down. And for the Magic now, you're beginning to think, you know, we gave up a lot for this guy. We gave up, you know, Victor Oladipo, a guy that... And, it, and, and I think it's a fair risk to take. I mean, they clearly wanted some defense. They wanted some room protection. They got an elite mm-hmm. defender. And Ibaka yeah. is still going to be a very good defender for a while. But as far as adding wins above replacement, adding things that will contribute to your team, it does appear Ibaka is beginning to, beginning to slide. And if you're the Magic entering the summer, if that slide continues, what do you do with him at the trade deadline? What do you do with him in free agency? Yeah. Do you give him the money, or do you, you know, begin reallocating that? Because you also, you know, you picked up Bismack Biombo to do a lot of the same things. Um, Ibaka yeah. to me is is really an intriguing player. I, I tend to believe that you know you give him a larger role, he's going to. Uh, find success. I think he's very capable of, of having success. And yeah, I'm, I'm, not I'm saying, cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I'm not yeah. saying you give him you know 25% of your possessions and run post-ups for him every play, but you give him a post-touch here and there, you get him on, on you screen and, screen and uh, pick and pops and pick and rolls. Yeah. Um, he trails. He can, I think he can average you know, 17, 18, 19, 20 points per game, and I think you know, if the, you know, I, you know, people have called me a little bit crazy for this, but I think if the Magic have a top 10 defense and the Magic are in the playoff hunt come an all-star break I think Serge Ibaka could be an all-star if, if, if he takes that jump offensively sure. just just from a scoring perspective not necessarily yeah. from gaining any more skills um, yeah, you know, I'm I not mean, expecting a lot of passing from him just to score just, yeah. add, just add a little you know, scoring and points. defense right? I yeah. mean, he's averaging he averaged what 12 something points yeah. per game last year yeah something like that um, so he's he's certainly capable yeah I mean um, there, there are some some players on the Magic that 
if the Magic were just winning a little bit more, that they could have been All Stars. Sure. They, you know, like Vooch probably could have been an All Star. Vooch, Vooch, yeah. Vooch probably would have been an All Star in what 2014 mm-hmm. if, yeah, if the Magic were, were winning, or 2015 if the Magic were, were yeah, winning. Yeah, like if he played in Oklahoma City or something. Yeah. Right. And and again, like opportunity matters so much in this league, um, and how you're perceived. Um, and I think that's a good segue to well, what did the Magic give up in Victor Oladipo? And uh, but what I, you know what is disheartening to Magic fans, what I think is worth discussing is. Carmelo is very, very high on Victor Oladipo. They had him taking a jump from 2.9 wins above replacement value in 2015 to 5.0 in mm-hmm. 2016, which is a near all-star level. Yeah. I mean, his averages were were relatively the same as they were the year before. Um, he did take maybe a step up de- defensively, um, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Shot probably slightly better from three. Yeah, shot, think, shot yeah. a little bit better from three. I mean, he certainly improved, but again, but you know, to me the question is... You know, what is he worth to the Magic? You know, was that worth it to the Magic? And, you know, his Carmelo rating is much better than Serge Ibaka's declining Carmelo rating. He's projected to have a 5.1 wins above replacement next year. Ibaka's projected to have 2.3. That is a pretty significant difference. Yeah. Um, It's the difference between a a star player and and a role player. And, And Carmelo reflects that. But at the same time, the way... Carmelo has his career arc projected that's about as good as he's going to be yeah and so how much do you buy into, into this and, and, and how much do you buy into into where Oladipo's career is going you know, what, I, what direction is heading in you know honestly like before before Kevin Durant left Oklahoma City I, I thought that Oladipo could have been I thought he could have made the all-star team in Oklahoma City really? I, I really, really thought he could have because Kind of in that James, I mean, like I, I envision him as kind of taking that James Harden role. That he'd be, you know, I, I said he just lost a lot of money because he's going to probably come off the bench. But you know, even if he's starting, but he'd be anchoring that second unit as the as a lead guy and have just again so much more space to work with because Durant and Westbrook take up so much attention. And and like I've told people, I still think his stats are going to increase and it's going to look like the Magic didn't get a lot for him. But at the same time. You play him in the role that the Magic had to play him in. He's—I don't think he can be as successful in that role as the role that he's going to play in Oklahoma City. I thought that if, if Kevin Durant was there, mm-hmm. I, I was envisioning that he would get a lot of clean, a lot yeah, of clean looks. That's true too. And that would, in that he—I think he has the ability to shoot decently well from three. I think he has the ability. Now it hasn't always happened, right? But I, I think I do think it's possible. And. In Oklahoma City, I think if Durant was there, it wouldn't surprise me if he shot like 36, 37% off of just really nice looks. You know, mm-hmm. um, the thing, the thing with Carmelo also, it doesn't quite necessarily capture what a team's needs are, right? And so, you know, the the trade for Ibaka was so crucial for the Magic because they needed someone to protect the rim besides Vooch. Or alongside Vooch, I should say, right? And Oladipo was a little bit more, uh, somewhat redundant. Not totally redundant, but somewhat redundant with uh, Evan Fournier, mm-hmm. right? And so, in a, in a sense, you know, you really understand the trade for sure. Um, yeah. But emotion, I, again, emotion, yeah. I mean, personally, I, I really liked Depo. I, mean, <laughs> I loved me, him. Yeah, no, to, to, I mean, I've gotten into plenty yeah. of arguments yes. with people about this. I've seen that on Twitter. Yeah, there's... there's <laughs> 
There's one Victor Oladipo fan that just yes. will not let it rest, and yeah. it's just, uh, just does not like yes. Evan Fournier. And, and you know, maybe that's my yeah. fault, because I, I spent the last half of the season saying, you know, the Magic have to make a decision between Victor Oladipo and Evan Fournier. Mm-hmm. And that may not have necessarily been the case. Um, I think, you know, Victor Oladipo is a good player. I, I, I like him as a player. I think he's got a lot of good skills. I, I don't know if he's going to ever be an all-star, and I don't know. Uh, he certainly can. Um, but I don't know if he's ever was ever going to be what the Magic needed from him, mm-hmm. in that they needed a they needed a primary option and a, and a primary scorer. Yeah. Um, I just don't think he's I don't think he was what the Magic needed, especially with Alfred Payton there. And maybe a different point guard would have changed some things. Um, but yeah. at at the end of the day, the Magic knew they needed to make some changes to the roster if they were going to make a serious push for the playoffs. Um, yeah. You know some, some some substantial changes, and of all the players that they had on the roster, the most marketable and most valuable player on the trade market, the guy who could get them the most value in return, was Victor Oladipo. So if yeah. you, if you were a Magic fan saying the Magic need to make an improvement, the Magic need to make some changes, they need to make the playoffs now. How are we going to do that? And free agency wasn't going to net you that guy. I mean, Bismack Biombo was supposedly their top target. They mm-hmm. fished around for Joachim Noah, according to some reports, um, I'm with, glad, a, with a very I, similar I, offer. I'm glad they didn't I'm give him that it, deal. Like yeah, that would have been four years, seventy-two million for Joachim Noah. I'd rather have, I'd rather have Biombo yeah. at that number than yeah, Noah. Yeah, for sure. Um, but um, don't get me wrong. I like Joachim Noah. Yeah, I like. But, I like but Noah too, at, the, at this point in his career, yes, yeah. it's not a good yeah, deal. He, and, you know, yeah. 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 Um, but. If they were going to Fisher, if they were going to make a trade to make to, to get their star or to get a, a, a elite level player, and, and I believe Serge Ibaka is an elite level defender. There's not, you know, they treated a guy who's a very good up and coming player for a guy who is already an elite at something. And, and you kind NBA. of know the quantity. Yeah, and you getting. know the quantity. And, and yeah. let's face it, the Magic are facing a make or break here this year. They've they, they've just, they've pushed all in and saying we're making the playoffs this year. And if and if they fail, yeah, you know, depending on how they fail, heads will roll. Yeah, um, and, and and I I don't like I mean, you know I I'm certainly am out as a pro Hennigan guy. I, I think what Rob Hennigan was trying to build is something that that the team should have gone through and and something the team should have tried. And I think they made some missteps and some key key areas, but nothing fatal. Now they made some mistakes that could become fatal, and um, they they pushed their chips in and decided to try and move forward at a, at a quicker pace than maybe the teams allowed. And that's what concerns that's what concerns me as an observer and, and a fan of the team. Uh, but trading Oladipo was the only way they were going to get something major in return. So if you wanted to make a major change to the team in yeah, any way, it had to be it had it, to be Oladipo. Yeah. He was the guy to deal, especially since they dealt Tobias Harris already. Yeah, um, you know, if, if I can say something about no, go for it. about Hennigan, I I feel a little bit bad for him in the sense that you know he's I think by nature like his disposition is a guy who's very very deliberate and, sure. and, and like pretty cautious in general sure. and I think if 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 it was just in a vacuum where there wasn't any external pressure from from fans and media and that kind of thing I think he probably would have been less cautious or I'm sorry more cautious this offseason with in yeah. terms of his acquisitions um, but because there is this kind of prevailing sense that you know the Magic need to make the playoffs very very soon, and you know I mean it's a fair expectation. It's going to be year this five, is year five. Post, this is, post Dwight. This right? is I mean the Magic. I mean and and Alex I I brought this up to Alex Martin's and now he's starting to use it in his sound bites. Oh, yeah? This is this is the this is the longest the Magic have been outside of the playoffs. Uh, four years yeah. ties for the longest, and the, those first mm-hmm. those four years. 
the only other time it happened in Magic history were the first four years of the franchise. They, they when when said, you would expect it to happen. When you would though. expect it to happen, exactly. And, yeah. and even then, there was some restlessness to say, you know, after, I mean, if you watch this Magic moment, there, you know, you heard Pat Williams and John Gabriel talk about after year two, it's like, okay, the, the, or year, after year three, the luster's worn off a little bit. And you kind of you need know, to get down the business a little the, bit. The, the novelty of the novelty of being an NBA franchise is gone. It's time to start winning and start delivering the playoffs. And they're Shaq. Yeah. I mean, if they don't get, sh- I mean, I, I, this is this is a topic for a completely different podcast. And yeah, for I will, sure. We I will, could go into this. I will one, talk yeah. your head off about this. I I do believe that the fact the Magic got Shaq so young. Um, a, first off, Shaq still affects everything that goes on within this franchise. Don't you know? I, yeah, I, you yeah. see, you see how how things that Shaq that Shaq did, losing Shaq especially, mm-hmm. still affects the way this franchise operates. But mm-hmm. I think even getting Shaq so young as a franchise and, and really as a as a sports town spoiled a lot of people, and 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 in this sense spoiled the franchise to believe it can happen very very quickly. I'm not saying the Magic need to be the, the Kings or the Timberwolves and be out of the playoffs for a decade. That's not what I'm saying at all. But, you know, when you play, you, the way to build is you play the draft, you get your star, and you build around him. If you don't believe you have that, you keep going to the draft. And, and the Magic maybe believe they had that in Oladipo and were wrong. And if that's the case, then it's time to, to, to move some pieces around or, or move in a different direction. And, and it, it appears the Magic have done that, but... Um, Personally, I would have been perfectly happy because I saw enough in last year's team going from 25 to 35 wins, starting at 19 and 13, to say there's something there that works. They, they, they lost it somewhere in the middle of the season, and, and why they lost it is a little bit beyond me. I think part of it is they needed veterans. And so, I, honestly, yeah. when I looked at the free agent market, I was like, you know, the Magic should definitely fish for deals, and, and the Oladipo-Obaka deal is certainly a deal that I would have fished at and really thought very yeah. hard about and maybe probably pulled the, maybe pulled the trigger on. But to me, what I think the Magic should have done was uh, to add, just supplement the roster with veterans, not to, not necessarily to go for broke on free agents like they did, and find some key veterans that will fill that will fill roles and support the young guys and step in when they needed to. Like honestly, I don't mind the Jeff Green signing very much if he's going to be a leader on the team. If he's not going to be a leader on the team, then. Whatever, then, but yeah. it's a one-year deal. It's it's a no it's a no big deal. Yeah, type but of deal. he yeah, but he's but he can, been he can, around the block a few he's times. He's been around the block yeah. a few times. He can step up yeah. and lead the team when when needed, or take over a game when needed. We saw him do that against the Magic last year in Memphis. Yeah. Um, yeah. He can he can put a he'll he'll have big games and make you believe in him again. And mm-hmm. then you'll have games where he doesn't look like he belongs mm-hmm. in the NBA, which is true, which is <laughs> just Jeff Green's career in a nutshell. Yeah. Um. Yep. You know, I'm not expecting big things from from Jeff Green at all, but you know, having that voice yeah. in the locker room is valuable. For the mat for for any team, and I think that's something the Magic have really missed the last two years, and was a, a miscalculation of the front office not having strong veteran voices in there. Um, yeah, I, I think I think this year, you know, the, anywhere from like I've, I've told some of my friends this, you know, I, I could see the Magic being you know one of those fun, plucky forty-eight win yeah. teams that yeah. you know, and, and maybe even grabs. Like a four or five seed, like in the playoffs, like that's they could I be th- they could be that sneaky surprise team. Yeah, like kind of like like the Blazers, right? Yeah, like, last like year. the Blazers. Like the Blazers last year, I think their Vegas projection was something like twenty six or twenty seven wins. People thought they people thought they'd be the worst team in the league. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. I, I had Denver as the worst team in the, in the league last year. And mm-hmm. I was pleasantly surprised by them toward, by the end. Yeah, but I mean, the Blazers last year, you know, they won I think forty four games last year, and they so 
you know, the Magic making a leap to 44 is not nearly that large, right? The Magic next year, I expect their projection to be something like 38, maybe? They're they're over-under. I'm sure it's out by now, but... um, their over under is probably going to come in around thirty five. I mean, we we saw. We oh, I think it's going to be less than last year. We saw. Season. I mean, we saw. I mean, I think people generally think the Magic got better, but like, I, I mean, we saw on uh, on on uh, ESPN.com summer forecast they have the Magic staying at thirty five wins and, and essentially yeah. stagnating. And I think that would be that would not be a good thing for for the people involved and for for a lot of the a lot of the. Uh, of the higher ups, a lot of the higher ups yeah. involved, and, and certainly yeah. would not be a uh, um, a good sign. I'm, I don't think they posted over unders yet for, for the yeah. NBA, I think they've only posted weird. the like championship odds and that kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, but I'm just saying, I, you know, the the Magic next year could I, I could see something like a like a fun 45 to 48 sure. win team, but sure. you know, it it could also Cost flame out and yeah. be you know like 20. The offense could be could be a legitimate be, problem. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, I think, I, I mean, I think that's something we've kind of skirted around a little bit. That that the offense is, it's not going to be a good offense this year. Don't don't yeah. go don't go to the Amway Center yeah. this year expecting to see the team score 100 points. It's going to be a fight for 90 a lot, a lot of nights, and the yeah. Magic are going to make the other team fight for 90, and that's that's going to be their formula to get into the playoffs. Um, yeah, so those teams, those teams, those types of teams tend to ha- at have least a lot of variability, but, but they, they make the playoffs. But they tend to make, yeah. yeah, even if it's just at the bottom, right? And, yeah. some, and sometimes you have to ask yourself whether... S- sometimes I think fans get very fixated on, okay, what you know, what can we do to to win a championship? And everything has to be, okay, we have to win a championship. But, you know, I think there's sometimes a little value in, right, just having having a fun team to root for that's sure. like hey you know this this team is we know they're probably not going to win the championship but it's it's fun we have guys that we like and it's you know 40 let's say 45 to 48 wins yeah. i think i would count that as a win for sure i, I mean i'd I think, be happy with that i mean and remember the most the most popular team most memorable ma- team in, in magic history aside from the finals teams was a 41 and 41 heart and hustle team that was supposed to yeah. win 25 games get the number 1 pick and <laughs> you know cast you know be just a team of castoffs and they were fun yeah. because of the surprise, and you know I think almost made the playoffs. I mean, honestly, if there's if there if the, if last season was deemed a disappointment, and and I know I'm in the minority in saying it's not a disappointment. They met their expectations. I had them at 35 wins. Like I I was there was parts of it I was dissatisfied with, mm-hmm. um, but it was the kind of season I expected the Magic to have. Yeah. Um, but I think the reason fans were so disappointed by it was they got off to such a good start. They looked so good. Um, and yeah, some of it was a little bit of fool's gold, and we all expected them to kind of fall back to earth a little bit. But the fact that they never recaptured that the, the pun, pun intended magic of the first two months of the season when they were 19 yeah. and 13, injected hope back into the franchise after struggling oh, I for was so excited. much. Yeah, I, I was mean, there was excited. no reason not yeah. to be excited. Um, yeah. You know, they were they went to London. I think they, they went to London in January and were the fourth seed in the East. Like, yeah, they fell out. The bottom the bottom fell out pretty quickly, and that that's I think what disappoint disappointed everyone and, and what they remember. Whereas you know, I still say you know that 19 and 13 team is in there somewhere. The team that went two and mm-hmm. 12 in January is also in there. So which team yeah. is yeah. this group? And how do we make sure that they lean toward the 19 and 13 side? And that was yeah. the struggle for the rest of the year because the confidence just was not there anymore. Yeah, um, well, after going but, but I think that the, there is one reason to be hopeful. Well, of many reasons to be hopeful, but one I think is that you know Coach Vogel I think is a major upgrade. A, to coach. Yeah, it's it's a very major upgrade, and 
especially over Jacques Vaughn, who I think was very he was way, in way over his head. I think. Yeah. And he was. And he's also I, also an upgrade over. He style, was but. he was he was there to be a babysitter. I mean, I yeah. hate I hate I hate to reduce it because he's not a bad coach. Um, his temperament didn't help establish. I mean, and I've heard some stories too that that I don't that I'm not comfortable repeating, mm-hmm. but. Um, his temperament wasn't right for a team trying to build a culture. It was right for a team mm-hmm. that was trying to tank. And mm-hmm. yeah, and you know, ultimately, ultimately, tanking is going to happen because you don't have talent. But tanking can't be a goal in and of itself. So yeah, and I think Skiles definitely lost Skiles, the locker room Skiles a little went bit. Went too much the other yeah. way. He was too much yeah. of a taskmaster and didn't worry enough about yeah. development. Like, I've I've kind of yeah. said that that. You know, and agree. You know, feel free to disagree with me or agree here. But I felt like Skiles' problem was he didn't see the forest for the trees. Um, he mm-hmm. cared so much about each individual game and winning each individual game that he, you know, hurt the confidence of some key players that he was going to need for the long run or that the Magic are going to need for the long run. And you know, Skiles just wasn't interested in that. His, yeah, like, his job was to win that game today, and he'll worry about, you know tomorrow tomorrow yeah i think some people were a little uh a little disappointed to see that he yeah, he didn't play mario perhaps as much yeah. as some didn't people give him wanted a long, didn't give him a long leash yeah you know every time mario would make a you know just, oh he didn't he didn't help on this guy then he, and then he got yanked yeah. you know it's like yeah. that's it's a quick leash yeah it's it's a, it's frust- it was it was it was frustrating in that regard but you know yeah. as i told people the results speak for themselves like Skiles was still a, 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 a kick in the butt that the team needed they well, got he, to he was upgrade wins. over Jacques Vaughn yeah he they was, got to 35 upgrade. wins and the question is you know if he, I would have been fine with him coming back I know I had a lot of people telling me the manager should fire him and hire Frank Vogel and I was like you can't yeah. do that he had a whether you like it or not he had a successful season he got this team to 35 wins yeah. you know that's a 10 win improvement you should not you don't you discredit, scoff don't, yeah. don't scoff at that that's a big deal and yeah. if the Magic and as Kyle said getting from 25 to 35 wins yeah it's something but the, the big step is getting from 35 wins to 40 wins or 41 42 wins yeah and then going from that to 50 is an even more difficult step so you know it only gets harder but you got to take those steps up and you know yeah last season was the year they were supposed to have in, in 2015 and and they finally had it and so now that's why I felt like they, they're pushing the pace they're trying to push the pace a little bit too much because because they were on they were on schedule by my book yeah, well, and so this goes back to what I was saying a little earlier about how I feel a, a little bit bad for Rob Hennigan in, in the sense that I think if he had things totally his way, he would have been he would have been as deliberate as I sure. think you would have wanted him to sure. be. Yeah. But because of and some of it is probably due to the Shack effect that you were talking about. You know, fans are a little spoiled saying, you know, we should be in the it's playoffs. It's not just fans. Every, let me let me make that clear. It's not just fans. I think it's I think it's ownership also. too. Yeah. I think it's ownership too. Yeah. But they, you know, there's, they feel like four years without the playoffs is absolutely enough, and that, and we've got to stop that. And so, uh, you know, it, I think there's there's things to be said about each kind of way that you would want to do it. I, I I don't necessarily mind that the Magic kind of push their chips in a little bit. No, I don't mind. Yeah. It. I don't mind it either. Yeah. I mean, commit to it. I yeah. mean, and they've committed to an identity, which I think is a big thing too. That, that's that's important. Yeah, and and we have. A coach that's going to be probably the perfect coach to implement that, right? To implement um, this kind of defense first, rim protection, maybe get out and run off of off of missed shots, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's yeah. it's gonna it's gonna be interesting. If for nothing else, the the season will be interesting. <laughs> yes. Right, if for nothing yes. else. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's already interesting, yeah. and it hasn't even yeah. started yet. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Before we before we yeah. close shop here, uh, anything else you want to add? Any other observations you want to you want to share? Um. On this. About the Carmelo stuff. About yeah, yeah. About the off season. About about anything. Uh. Yeah. Not particular. Yeah. I I I can't wait for the season to start. Definitely. I, um, I know that the players need their time off. You, know? yeah, you, you, yeah, you can't yeah. just run another A2 game season right now. But I'm, I'm very excited for the season to start. Even though you know a lot of people are not... It's a, they're a little bit down on the season because they think it's just going to be the Warriors and Cavs and there's no other reason to watch. But, you know, there's... I, I think there's always yeah. I think there's always something to watch. There's always interesting things. There's always storylines that are going to come up, and you also never know what's going to happen during a season. I mean, sports is that, that's why I think sports is the best. It's the best soap opera, is what I like to say. Yes. It's the best. Soap oh, absolutely. Opera because it is. it's live. You don't know what's going to happen. It's unpredictable. No one knows what's going to happen. I mean, who saw a 73, 73 win yeah. team A yeah. and B? Who saw a seventy three win team yeah. losing a three one lead yeah. with home court advantage? Yeah, and who and who saw Cleveland being the city to win it, right? Yeah. I mean, so yeah. you really just never know, and so for that reason, I'm I'm excited. Even though we think, I mean, any sensible person would say that the Warriors are probably the favorites, but there's always there's always things to watch. I think there's always yeah. there's always something to watch, and and you can, yeah. you know, there's going to be a lot of joy to derive, especially if the Magic do complete their goal and make the playoffs. Um, obviously, it's a it's a it's a big testing ground for this team right now, and, and we'll we'll see uh, what they what what this team's able to do. It's it's got a lot of potential, a lot of possibility, but a lot of question marks too. And uh, um, you know, again, you know, we, we talk mostly about the the Carmelo system here, and it's 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 interesting. It's it, it, I don't know how useful or predictive or you know it, how useful or predictive it is, but it, it's certainly interesting and, and gives you some food for thought. And so we just want to provide that food for thought and, and that perspective on where the Magic are headed and, and where the players are going. Well, so, you know, I'm in grad school right now, so I deal a lot with statistics. There's a saying in the statistics community that all models are wrong, but some are useful, right? <laughs> and, you know, every, you can never capture everything, right? Yes. So you're always going to be wrong in some way, but yes. some can be useful. And I think 538 is generally useful. It's like, interesting. Yeah, and, and they apparently, according, according to their records of their uh, their team over and under projections they beat Vegas last year so okay. that, that's actually pretty go. good yeah. so the lesson is use them when you when you go to Vegas yeah. uh, this this summer yeah um, not, the, not is, that we endorse gambling but well oh, whatever. why not oh, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's, as long as it's yeah. as long as it's legal yeah. go ahead and do it yeah like, who cares? Okay. We're, we're adults yeah. <laughs> now, if you're under 21 don't do it yeah I mean, right yeah you're, if you're an adult mm-hmm. and it's yeah. le- and you're doing yeah. it legally yeah. I'm not I'm not gonna judge you I mean yeah I mean, there was a bet going around last year when I went to Vegas of, of whether I was going to bet on the Magic to win the championship, and I told them, no, I'm not. <laughs> They're not going to win the championship. <laughs> I almost bet on Northwestern to win the Big Ten, though. Uh, well, what, wait, how did they do last year? They went 10-3, and three, so uh, they finished oh, yeah, in second in the division. Yeah. They finished in second yeah. in the division. Yeah. Um, and they're going to do so again, especially when they beat Ohio State in the horseshoe. No, they won't. Um, <laughs> but the lesson, this is my one gambling tip for everybody. You can take this to the bank. Oh, I want to take notes on this. Take notes on this. <laughs> Never bet on Northwestern football. <laughs> That's my one gambling okay. tip for you. Um, okay. Darway, this was fun. Yeah, this, this was fun. fun. Yeah, we got to do this again. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. We'll do. We'll try. We'll try and do this again. Uh, gotta do, try and do some live podcasts now that I have an actual microphone that 
that is that that is yeah. good. Maybe we'll tour a little bit. We'll like you know we're in the yeah, Panera like, University right yeah, now, but we'll yeah. go um, to another restaurant next time yeah. and yeah, we'll yeah make this uh, a, a I, I should I'll, I'll give a, I'll give a brief plug to the Panera on University. Thanks for letting us record in here. You, you may hear some some university students uh, talking yeah. and doing study groups in the background. We're sorry if we interrupted you you're getting a shout out on your line of magic daily podcast which gets like <laughs> 900 or so yeah. listens you know okay yeah so yeah. We're, you know we're not doing we're not doing too bad your your voice yeah. your voices are heard yeah. at least in the background um <laughs> darway uh yeah. t- tell everyone where they can where they can follow you on twitter and, oh yeah my twitter handle is uh, at chen dw c-h-e-n-d-w and you know i post mostly sports thoughts but you know some thoughts on grad school life some some really bad puns you know those are I am all for bad puns uh, I actually think they're pretty good but a lot of my friends comment <laughs> disapprovingly see, and see the more block me the more the more disapproving comments and block threats that you get the better the pun is <laughs> yeah, I, I learned that kind of, I've learned that firsthand from people yeah it's kind um, of an inverse kind of thing uh, yeah, yeah it is it is um, you can follow. Um, yeah. You can of course follow me, Philip Rossmanreich, on Twitter at omagicdaily. Be sure to subscribe to Locked On Magic, the daily Orla- podcast from OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Uh, over on iTunes, you search Locked On Magic; it's right there, uh, as well as on Audio Boom and Stitcher. Uh, be sure also to follow all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. There are some fantastic writers: Chris Manning of Fear the Sword does Locked On Cavaliers; Brett mm-hmm. Dawson of um, I forget which site he's with, but he does Locked On Pelicans. He's a fantastic writer. Uh, you've got Sean Hyken uh, does Locked On Bulls. Uh, our good pals Jay King and John Corrales do Locked On Celtics. You've got Jeff Garcia, another good good friend of the site, doing Locked On Spurs. And the list just goes on and on and on and on. There are yeah, some, I listened to the Spurs one the other day. Yeah, there are good. some there are yeah. some fantastic podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network. It is it's well worth your time if you're ever interested in saying, you know, I'm curious what the New York Knicks are up to. Check out Locked On Knicks. And aren't we all curious about I'm what the Knicks all, I, are up to? I, the Knicks are always entertaining. <laughs> the super to me. team, right? They're the super <laughs> team. They're the super team of the East. I'm all. They're always. They're always interesting. They're that could dull. possibly miss the playoffs. But they're okay. never dull. <laughs> um, so yeah, if you're if you're ever interested in anything that's going on anywhere in the NBA, put Locked mm. On insert team name here, uh, and you'll be able to find them. They're a fantastic resource. And of course, always listen to Locked On Magic. Uh, I'll be back again uh, probably tomorrow. I don't know when I'm release this. I'll probably post this uh, in the middle of the night on Wednesday night, um, so you'll be able to listen to this and then listen to Locked On Matt Locked On Magic Thursday, um, Thursday morning as well. Uh, and then uh, yeah, we'll be back again every day. So you know, no matter when you listen to this, unless it's a weekend, you'll probably hear Locked On Magic again tomorrow. All right. Um, so yeah, good. yeah. So thanks again, Darway, for for sitting in here and. Uh, We'll catch you all next time here on the Orlando Magic Daily Podcast, part of Locked On Magic. Thanks for listening, everybody. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.